Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And with us today is Joe Stren of Old Good Things, here to teach us all about architectural salvage. Hello, Joe. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on Antiques Freaks. I look forward to sharing with you some of the exciting background on Old Good Things. Heck yeah. So, Joe, what is Old Good Things? Old Good Things, as far as we know, is the single biggest architectural salvage company in America. Whoa. Yeah, that's kind of impressive. (laughs) Now, when you say architectural salvage, for the layman, what does that mean? Well, everyone knows what an antique is. Old piece of furniture, old piece of lighting, table lighting or something. Architectural antiques is different in that we salvage actual pieces of building such as doors, doorknobs, chandeliers, marble mantles, outside fencing, the floor joists underneath the floor when the building's actually coming down, that sort of thing. All right. All the cool bits and bobs that would otherwise go in the garbage and be tragically lost forever. So you're doing good work, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Very important work, if I do say so myself. We like it. I've always considered architectural salvagers the unsung heroes of the antiques world. Yeah, it's very interesting, truthfully. It's a very interesting line of work. Now, how did you get your start in architectural salvage? Well, many years ago in the mid-90s, a few of us worked together, and we were doing, like, minor restoration, as far as, like, painting, uh, wood floors, that kind of thing. And then one of us realized that some of the stuff that we were pulling out and throwing out, they were actually selling at flea markets. So we thought, well, why not take some doors or something from one of these job sites Take it to flea market and see if we could sell it. Why not get in on this? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it just took off. It was very good. Now you guys show up at Brimfield too? Yeah, we drew. Matter of fact, we're going to be there in two weeks, the July show. We've been doing Brimfield for probably over 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're at Studevant North. That's like our home base. We do other fields also. Oh, I've seen you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right behind the, well, it used to be a hamburger stand out front, if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's my favorite field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to too, truthfully. <laughs> so, Joe, what gets you excited about architectural salvage? Well, every job is like Christmas morning. Remember when you were young? <laughs> you'd run down the steps and you see a bunch of packages and you wouldn't know what's in them. Well, that's sort of like what architectural salvage is like. Every building is like a brand new building. It's like a gigantic Christmas box, and you don't know what's inside. A lot of times, there's like nothing inside. These building has been stripped. People have been, been in there before, and there's nothing to get. But sometimes you find a lot of really good stuff in there, such as, you know, if it's a residential, like the marble mantles, the chandeliers, the doors, mm. the doorknobs. Industrial, a lot of times it's really neat old industrial equipment, You know, that sort of thing that we could repurpose and make furniture out of. So, you know, you check out every job you can. You never know what's going to show up at what job. You get to clean out not just big, beautiful old houses, but all the extremely cool old abandoned mills and what have you. Yeah, mills are actually very good. There's very few of them left. There's a lot of them repurposed into condos, but old mills are actually very good. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of them in New Bedford, so. (laughs) We've had a lot of mistakes made within them. (laughs) Yeah, well, I know the feeling. We're based in New York and Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I understand that. The the mismanagement of historical properties is (laughs) rage-inducing. That's really true, you know? 
that's how the whole landmark commission in New York City got started was when Penn Station got ripped down and all that beautiful old architecture oh, got wow. wrecked and very little of it got salvaged. Yeah, that's that's true. I almost forgot that that is like the greatest architectural salvage tragedy in American history, I think. Yeah, there's a few of those like that. That's just the one that's the most noteworthy. So, Joe, what are some of your favorite things that you've unboxed at some of your salvage sites? Well, one of my favorite is, believe it or not, old copper windows. Oh. A lot of buildings in New York in the 20s and 10s and 30s, the outside windows were clad in copper or brass. It was like a fireproofing and then also weatherproofing. Because, you know, 30 years later in the 1950s, say, who wants to be climbing around a 14-story building just to paint a building sash, a window sash? True enough. So a lot of the early buildings had, um, you know, like copper-clad windows. And what we do is we take them out, we strip the old paint off and whatnot, you know, the soot on the outside. We take the glass out and we put mirror in. Oh. And it's really good industrial and yeah it looks contemporary you know that's like one of them that sounds beautiful yeah another one of my favorite things is old industrial lighting like from the factories that we were talking about because a lot of that it's not only is it in but it's a very good industrial look they were very well made back in the day you know because they were made to last in an, in an industrial setting we clean them, rewire them, et cetera, and we do very well with those, too. Then we do have, like, door hardware. We have one of the biggest collections in the country. Oh, I'd love to see that someday. Yeah, because every building has, besides the front door, they usually have some interior doors. And the old buildings, they have, you know, a lot of the old doorknobs and such were cast brass or pressed brass, very ornate. And, you know, when people restore a brownstone or an apartment, that's one of the things they look for is the old original door hardware. So we just collect it, collect it, collect it. And someone redoes, a, like I said, a brownstone. They'll be looking for 20 matching pair. We show them what we got. They pull it off the shelf. We clean it up or they clean it up and away they go. Sounds much more fun than going down to Ikea. <laughs> it actually is, truthfully. And the thing is, the old hardware or the old marble mantles or the brass chandeliers, they're very well made and they're better made than what you would get typically today. Very much so, yes. Made to last. Yeah. The chandeliers, for example, are crystal or solid brass and they're made to withstand the rigors of time. So you clean them up, you get them professionally rewired and you have a really good look. And the way we look at things, our, you know, our business perspective, is we try to aim our pricing at cheaper than what the same thing would be if you could even find it brand new. It's very good to hear. That's smart. Yeah, because that induces people into wanting to buy the old, which is part of uh, recycling. Yeah. Because all these, all these things already have been made, so they're not being remade you know, with new grass or been pulled out of the ground or smelted or rewired or whatever. It's already there. It's, most of it just needs to get cleaned up, minor modifications. You're good to go. And that saves on the environment too. Heck yeah. Big time. Yeah, sure. Now I'm curious. Um, architectural salvage is a really like unique and specific like set of skills and knowledge. Is it something that you kind of studied for or was it a very much a learn along the way situation for you? Well, we all went through the school of hard knocks. <laughs> 
the best one for antiquing. <laughs> it, it is, you know, because, you know, salvaging is not demolition. It's entirely different. You know, a demolition company goes in, they're there to knock the building down. We go in before that. We go in when the building's still up. And you have to learn how to gently pry a marble mantle off of the wall. Oh, that can't be easy. <laughs> yeah, because you have to literally take it apart piece by piece. Oh, wow. And it's like the skill of a surgeon. And yet you have to be a little bit of a, you have to be strong, you know, a little bit of a brute. <laughs> yeah. Because some of these old doors are two, 300 pounds. That's the thing about built to last. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so then you have to carry it sometimes down five flights of stairs because there's no elevator or the elevator has been shut off because they're preparing for the demolition and crew coming after us. Oh, yeah. So it is a skill. Yeah, I remember trying to sell, someone was selling me a fire grate that was cast iron. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't pick it up. I can't lift it. And he was just like, imagine how I felt <laughs> cleaning out the house. And then I saw he had like six more behind him going, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, no, sir. <laughs> yeah. Fire grates are actually very desirable. Anyone who's restoring a house, typically they're one of the things that get broken from people stepping on them or kicking them if they're like in the bottom of the wall. So there's always a market for them, sure. Now, in terms of carefully and skillfully prying a marble mantelpiece out of a wall, what are some of the major do's and don'ts of architectural salvage? If you had any advice for people looking to either get someone to come in and help carefully pick through all the good parts of their historic building or people who are trying to save and restore parts of what they own? It depends on how far they want to go. Like if you're doing like a total restoration, you want to go to town hall or to old periodicals and try and find photos of the building when it was brand new, 1922, 1875 or whatever. And you want to see at what period, because that building had many lives. You know, when it first opened up, then it was remodeled, then it was remodeled again, then it was remodeled again. So where are you aiming at and how far do you want to go? Do you want to go all the way back to the original kitchen? Or you want to just, you know, do the doors, the doorknobs and the lighting, but you want a modern kitchen. So the first thing is to set out your goals, you know, and really have that pinned down. And then you take a good look around the house. You study it and you say, well, we could save this part. This part's got to go, you know, that kind of stuff. That's how you approach it. You know, you always want to do your, your studying first. Absolutely. Like you were saying about the marble mantle, you don't just go in there with a pry bar and a, and a hammer. No, 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 no. You, you have to study the construction. These marble mantles oftentimes have, were put together with 20 pieces. Oh, wow. So like what piece was the last piece installed? That would be the first piece to come off, which is typically the top shelf you know, is the first piece to come off. And then what would be the next piece, you know, like the side plates against the wall, maybe, or maybe it's the very front vertical part, you know, you have to study it. And then you proceed real careful because it's, again, for a marble mantle, it's really easy to crack it. Oh, yeah. A lot of times the mortar, the concrete that's holding the marble pieces together because it's so old, is actually harder than the marble itself. Oh. It's easy to crack the marble when you're trying to loosen the mortar behind it. 
So it, there's like skill and you have to like go real slow, make sure you know what you're doing and, you know, just proceed from there. Now, do you stick strictly to practical, useful items or have you ever been prone to salvage something very strange? <laughs> A lot of times the stranger things are what sells first, especially in <laughs> New York City. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Los Angeles. We have a store out there, too, you know, and some of the things I look at, I go, you know, we are never going to sell that, you know, a <laughs> 10 foot high such and such. And that's the thing, because it's so unusual, that's what people are interested in the most. He's, everyone wants to stand out from everyone else. So it's the unusual things that people are drawn to. Does anything stick out in your mind as the most unusual thing that you can remember that you salvaged? Well, one of the most unusual things that we salvaged was in uh, the American Airlines Terminal, building number eight, uh, terminal number eight in a JFK. <laughs> When I was young, I remember flying out of there, and I would look up at the ceiling. They had these gigantic, they looked like satellites. I couldn't figure out what they were. They were all over the place. There was like 15 of them. They were dangling from the ceiling in different heights. And then after I was looking at them, I realized that they were lighting, oh. and they were made to look like a, a satellite, you know? Oh, that's amazing. And here it was years later, fast forward to um, 2004, I can't really remember now. But we went in there and we got those lights because they looked toward the building down. That's amazing. So, and that to me was like, yeah, it was like really neat because there's something I had a personal connection, you know, from back in 1978, you know, first time I flew out of there and I saw them up there. Then I hear, hear 2005, here we are getting them out. So that was kind of cool. Wow. That's really fun. Yeah. Another thing is like being that I'm here in New York, everyone takes the subway. The subways were built long time ago and the mta was undergoing a process where they would redo all the subway stations to modernize them and there's these really neat looking subway lights that were in the ceiling you know above the where you would stand and you know i'd look up and i'm like oh, that's a pretty cool design and then we were able to connect with the people that were redoing the building and we got the subway lights so now we have these really neat old-style subway lights. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, they actually look like a mid-century modern design, even though they're from 1922. They have like five coats of paint. So once you take all that paint off, it was copper-plated brass, solid brass lighting. Wow, how beautiful. Yeah, and we still have some left. They look really good like a kitchen on a counter, you know, like under the, the cabinets, that kind of thing, or in the bathroom. Oh, oh my gosh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you give someone an idea. They're going to run out there and be like, I need one. <laughs> uh, hey, they're welcome to. I'll tell you, we're almost out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. We do a lot of restaurant work, so we sold a lot of new restaurants oh. for the bathrooms you know, above the sink. Oh, that makes sense. Some of the other things that we get up that's really good is like old beams, like I was saying, the old floor joists. Oh. When a brownstone's coming down in Brooklyn, after we go through, once the demolition crew goes through, they'll take the floor joists, you know, the actual beams that you walk on, yeah. and they put them on the side, and then we get them. You know, it's old growth southern pine. You know, the building might have gone up in like 1888 or something, oh, wow. which is for New York and for most countries old. But that's good for furniture. Or we get a lot of wood from New York City water towers, you know, which they're wooden. And the wood is uh, typically cedar, you know, which is water resistant. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> 
Yeah, that makes a really beautiful tables, like tables and stuff for outside. So we still have a pile of that. Also, uh, bowling alley flooring. <laughs> Everyone's gone bowling, right? Oh, yeah. You never think about it. You know, roll that ball down that lane. Well, that bowling alley floor is made up of clear maple, it's called. That is maple wood that has no flaws. Oh. It's like each piece is perfect. Oh. The cream of the crop. Yeah. That's what bowling alley floors are made out of? Yeah, because when you loft that ball, which we've all done, and it bounces, if there's a flaw in the wood, like, um, you know, like a knot or a crack or something, well, that's where the floor is going to, you know, crack or, you know, get damaged. So each piece has to be perfect. The oh. so bowling alley floor is actually very expensive. But when you pull it up and you make tables out of it again, it's really pretty. Yeah. I have such a new appreciation for a bowling alley. No wonder they make you wear the special shoes. No wonder they make you wear special shoes. Stay in good floor. Yeah, sure. And we, we have like 12 foot lengths. So you could have like a really large communal table, uh, you know, 44 inches wide it comes, or you could cut it down so it's an hour. Again, it's great for restaurants, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Really nice stuff. Beautiful stuff. So in antiques, generally, I think there is like a concept that it is bad to change the form of old things. But it sounds like in Salvage, there is really a celebration of finding reuse. I find that really interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, some things you don't want to touch. For example, if you get if you get a piece of furniture from, from the 1880s with the original finish, you don't want to sand it or refinish it to make it look better because you just killed the value because it's the original finish. But then something we're talking about floor joists, that's a structural. They're, they weren't made for pretty. They were made to be used. You know, they're covered over. Something like that, yeah, definitely take it, use it, make something out of it. For sure. You know, tables, like we're saying, tables, dressers. You know, I've seen doors made out of old floor joists, you know, for the right look. And it's the old grain, so it's a very beautiful grain. Absolutely beautiful. How do you feel about weird reusing? Like, um, one of the things that was popular, I think, a couple years ago was using an old door for a headboard, which always baffled me. Well, you know, if, if someone likes it, you're not wrecking something. I mean, old doors are quite common. Every building has it. You know, it's not like you're taking a um, a carpet from the Middle East that's worth $50,000 <laughs> and cutting it so it will fit into your closet. Oh, no. Which I have heard done. No. <laughs> you know, and that's some people, that's what they do. But something like that, yeah. I've also seen some really beautiful kitchen islands made out of five-panel doors. I actually really like that, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. You know, we've been in business a long time, 28 years. There's one gentleman in, in Rhode Island. He wanted all the five-panel doors that, you know, that we could find because that's exactly what he was doing. He was making kitchen islands out of five-panel doors. It looked really good. I love that. Same thing. We take, you know, old fencing, again, like out of Brooklyn Brownstones. He's not based in New York. And we can cut them down to make replacement gates. You know, again, for brownstones, it's just a matter of cutting and welding it. Or people take uh, old balconies, you know, wrought iron balconies. They'll take that and then they'll make like a side table, a console table for an entryway. Oh. You cut the two sides back, turn them sideways. So you make it a foot deep, you weld it, weld some legs on, get a large chunk of a really nice marble, put it on top. 
We have a lot of balconies or fencing that people use that kind of thing for. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. And again, you're you're saving the environment. Yeah. Because instead of a piece, some trees getting cut down, birds losing their home, etc. And then all the chemicals and all the electricity, you know, to make a, a side table out of wood, you get a really nice antique piece of architectural salvage. You know, with a little bit of cutting, a little bit of welding, you, you get to paint it up, get a piece of old marble from an entryway out of an old uh, skyscraper here in New York. You know, we sell old marble from, from the lobbies, cut a piece of that off, polish it, and got a really nice piece of really nice piece of table. And it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. And it's super unique. Like, who's going to have anything exactly like that? Yeah, your neighbor's <laughs> not going to have one of those. That's true, because every two are different. You can't make them alike, even if you tried would be only alike to a certain degree because every, every piece is different. That's delightful. It's very pretty, you know? Yeah. Because of that, we do a lot of designer work in our company. Like in New York, we have three different stores, and they're aimed at three different types of people. We have the designer store. That's like our main showroom. Then we have another store down at Bower and Housen where we do a lot of restaurant work out of because we're right next to a restaurant row, all the supply houses. Oh, perfect. We have another store on the Upper West Side which sells a lot of furniture, you know, for the Upper West Side apartments. Our L.A. store does a lot of prop work for TV, for the movies. Oh, I haven't even considered that. Yeah. If you watch TV at all, if you've gone to any of the movies, you've seen our stuff, you know, because it's all over the place. (laughs) That's so much fun, too, like helping people find stuff for movies. Oh, yeah. When the movie people come through, it's always a treat. It is. And it's kind of neat to see it, too, you know? Yeah. So... That's good. Yeah, and a lot of times they'll rent instead of buy. That's what I was going to ask. Because, like, we've noticed, like, the movie people, they just want to rent it. They just want it for the shoot. And then they'll hand it back to us and we still have their money. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to clutter their <laughs> warehouse with it. It's whatever. Yeah, there's a costuming guy in town who has, like, a whole set of stock that, like, he's never going to sell. Because he can just keep renting it to the movie people whenever they come through. Sure, yeah. And sometimes they'll ask first. But a few times I've had them rent lighting and they'll restore the lighting in order to use it for a scene and we get it back. It's in better condition than what we rented it for. Oh, that's amazing. That must be such a good feeling. Like extremely good. I made money and it got fixed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hey, that's that's great. That doesn't often happen, but it happens occasionally. Sure. Yeah. Also, as far as what sells, we try to get the whole assortment. Like uh, I've already said, like the chandeliers, the doors, the doorknobs, the mantles, the flooring. Outside, we'll salvage the um, old fencing. Like this morning, a gentleman is restoring a carriage house. And he was looking for an old pair of carriage house doors. You know, really big ones. Yeah. From an old building where they were horses you know, would come in and out, you know, with the wagon attached to it. So I told him, look at the website. So we had some of those. Another thing that we salvage a lot, which is very good for us, is um, old chicken wire glass. Oh. Chicken wire glass. You probably saw it. It's in a lot of the old industrial buildings. Yeah. It looks like like it has an actual chicken wire embedded in it. And that's what it was. When they first started doing it, they would take the same chicken wire that they would use on a chicken farm, and they would push it into molten glass. It was like the first modern safety glass. Because if the window broke, the wire would sort of sometimes keep some of the shards from, you know, crashing out. Yeah. You know, now, of course, they had tempered glass. 
we do a lot of business with that because it's a really good design element. In restaurants, they'll make partitions out of it. Sometimes they'll send it out and have it frosted, uses bathroom doors. We also have a corrugated chicken wire glass. If you look at it sideways, it has waves just like the inside of a corrugated box. A lot of localities, that's still legal to use as a covering for a sidewalk. Because the rain hits it and it just runs right off into the street and yet the sun could come through it. So we've salvaged a lot of that. We still have a really good stock of that. Oh, wow. And again, designers like that because it's something different. It makes their project stand out from everyone else's project. Yeah, that's real. I didn't. I did not know that about corrugated glass. I got to look into that. I want to see some. Yeah, nice little pop of texture there. Yeah, if you go to our website, oldgoodthings.com, old with an eight. Our newsletter and our blog, you'll see some of the customer uses for it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's really nice stuff. Oh, so you guys come equipped with inspiration. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I think it's a pretty good newsletter. It comes out like, you know, once a month, once every two weeks. We have a customer showcase where you can see the pieces when they were on the building. And then you see the pieces, how people use them in their house. That's so much fun. Like, for example, they'll take an old line head terracotta stone from the outside of some 12-story building here. And you'll see how they'll put it in the living room above their mantle or how they'll use it as a water feature. They'll drill a hole through the lion's mouth, stick a copper pipe in it, and they'll turn it into a fountain. You know, things like that, real imaginative. Oh, that is too fun. Yeah, real imaginative. I'm amazed. I've been doing this now 28 years. I'm amazed at some of these designers. They just really have this, the vision. I can't conceive of this stuff. <laughs> it's very interesting to see what they do with it. Yeah. It's also cool that you get to, like, provide inspiration for that kind of creativity. Yeah. Sure. And then, you know, it's all, every job is different. Every designer is different. Every retail customer is different. And it's the back and forth that uh, I thrive on because sometimes I can help the younger designers with ideas that I've seen. And then I learn from the other designers, from their vision. And it's a really good back and forth. It is always interesting to me, that kind of intersection of antiques and interior design and how the markets kind of affect each other and how they fluctuate. It really is. We had this one summer screen. That's that little upside down U and that little piece that goes in the middle of it that's inside of a mantle, you know, that covers the chimney so the birds don't fly down the chimney. Yes. Yes. It was an embossed cast iron piece of Diana the Huntress <gasps> in Greek mythology. Oh, heck yeah. It was a very good, you know, casting, very detailed. I once had a gentleman in the West Village just by that, the summer screen, you know, with Diana the Huntress drawing back the bow. And he was opening up a boutique, women's boutique clothing store in the West Village. He mounted that behind the cash register, behind the counter. And from that, he had a painter come in and draw scenes from Diana the Huntress's life all over the entire store. Oh. And that one piece was the focal point. And, you know, it was relatively inexpensive, but he had the vision on how to turn that into a whole theme. And it was a beautiful store. Again, it doesn't have to be expensive. Just one or two little elements could become a focal point and just really make the room. Oh, man, that sounds so cool. That sounds so wonderful. I want to do that now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Got to go find a salvage to base my room around. (laughs) Definitely. 
And if it's old, it's already stood the test of time. You know, if it's still in good shape now, it'll be in good shape another 50 years from now. Heck yeah. And again, recycling. Yeah, exactly. Just that one piece. Could you imagine they would have to smelt the ore oh, yeah. for the iron? Then they would have to fire it up, use all that electricity or coal or oil to melt it into molten lava, make the piece, etc., etc. And, you know, that piece was less than a thousand, considerably less than a thousand. So it saved so much. That is a bargain. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, Joe, before we let you go, what do you wish more people knew about architectural salvage? If there's one takeaway you wanted them to have. Well, one of the things right off, you know, consider the environment. How much more natural resources we would save, you know, as um, as mankind, if we would just recycle, upcycle, reuse. And the other thing is how much cheaper, you know, the salvaged materials are compared to brand new stuff. And again, it's just so much better for the environment. It's cheaper. It's better to look at. It's better quality. And it's just in a vast assortment of material that's out there. You know, we're big. We have a lot, a bigger variety than most people. Some people just specialize in one thing. But if you're going to buy something, if you need something for your house or for your commercial space, almost always you can find it in a salvage condition that's cheaper and better and more interesting than something brand new. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful message. I think it's really beautiful to be able to meld together these ideas of like creativity and uniqueness and preservation along with environmentalism. Like it's all so much good stuff wrapped up in one concept. Yeah. Just makes you feel good. It just, it dovetails so many things, you know, and it's a mindset. Once you start seeing the quality of antiques, then you look at the new stuff, you go, you know I'd rather have the antique. Yeah, <laughs> every time, every, every time. time. Sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joe. This has been delightful. Yeah, I got to go down to my local salvage place. <laughs> or hit you up in New York. Yeah, I got to go to your salvage place. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, we'll see you in Brimfield, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you going to be there for, um, for September? Definitely. All right. We do all three shows. Same spot. Rudevant North. All right. We'll see you in September, man. <laughs> Good. Okay, we'll look forward to it. If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varian the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!